Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's podcast, we have late round targets. Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champions? I am, as you can see, by myself today. Rick had some prior obligations that he had to attend to, so I will be doing this podcast by myself, individual. It happens like once a year, but hey, we're going to do our best. Um, so we got some stuff to get to in this episode. As always, we have some late round targets uh, that we're going to get to. Um, and then we're going to jump into uh, a little bit of news or first we'll st- we'll start with the news and then we'll jump into the late round targets. A little bit of news that happened today. Um, so before we do that, check out our website, thefantasychampions.com. You can follow uh, us at the FF champs on Twitter at the fantasy champions on Instagram. You can follow me. My handles on the screen somewhere. Uh, like I said, facebook.com forward slash the fantasy champions. If you're checking us out on Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting plat- platform, please subscribe. And leave a review. Uh, it'll help us get as many views as humanly possible uh, and help us grow this brand to be more successful. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and leave a comment down below uh, who your favorite late round target is. Anywhere from round seven to nine, maybe even even later in the draft. Um, we also want to talk about the draft guide. Draft guide starts at $25. It is live as full rankings, breakouts, busts, all kinds of player draft values, player breakdowns, and so much more. So if you are interested, purchase the draft guide at $25. This is also, tomorrow is the last day that you have for a chance to be entered in to the listener league. So if you buy the draft guide, you will be entered into a drawing or a contest for a chance to be in our listener league and verse me and Rick and potentially other people on the Fantasy Champions staff uh, and try to beat them. So be sure to tell your friends by the draft guide, get in the league and, uh, we'll try to beat you. So let's jump into some news about a particular player that, um, I have been so freaking excited about, and my soul just got ripped out of my chest today. So, you know, I'm scrolling through my my Twitter feed as normal, and uh, I see this information. You know, we got some hype on Miles Sanders. We're going to give him the full workload. Deuce Staley comes out and says, you know, he's going to be the the feature back in this offense and that he can, you know, he can do, you know, most of, if not all of the snaps in the offense. And we've talked about Miles Sanders' snap share in, on this podcast many times. So, you know, the hype, obviously, Deuce Staley, the running backs coach for the Eagles, was bringing forward for Miles Sanders was just like, Wow. Okay. I'm pumped on this guy. And then we got some news an hour, just an hour later about Miles Sanders being week to week with an injury. And I wanted to get to this now because I feel like if we wait a week, the information will just dry up and you know, it'll be so saturated or we'll have new information. So I don't want to wait a week. I want to get you the thoughts. Now, a lot of you are drafting this weekend. Uh, So it's like this information that I'm about to give you is, is a lot, it's very important to the success of your fantasy team, my fantasy team, all that stuff. So I had to think about Miles Sanders and the potential 
of him, you know, either a missing time, which according to the reports, I'll start off with the reports. According to the reports, Miles Sanders is most likely going to, uh, you know, he's going to be week to week, but he's most likely not going to miss week one. They're saying that this is a low body, a, a lower body injury with no other information besides that. And they're also stating that, um, I guess, you know, it's not serious. Uh, I read on a, uh, I think it's NBC Sports Philadelphia website that they said significant injury, but that's the only source that I could find that says it's bad. Um, the reports by the big the big titans in the industry uh, say that uh, Miles Sanders is going to be okay. So he is expected to start week one. I'm not really concerned about that. They also There also was another report that Boston Scott also is having a little bit of issues with his lower body as well. So he's having the same kind of problem, I guess. I don't know. So the two the two biggest running backs on the team are, are essentially Iota week to week. Um, and they're not going to play. So Corey Clement is taking first team snaps for the Eagles. So here are my thoughts on Miles Sanders. I'm not concerned about whether or not he can play week one or whether or not they'll give him, you know, ample amount of opportunity in the offense. I'm really not concerned about that. What I'm thoroughly concerned about is that, and this is something we're not going to know as more information and details come out, you know, obviously we'll see. But the thing I'm concerned about with Miles Sanders is the thing that I've been concerned about all off season. I believe he's a breakout. The reason why he's so high, I think I have him number six on my rankings. The reason why he's so high on my rankings is specifically because I believe Miles Sanders, um, I believe Miles Sanders can be a top, you know, the reason why he's six is because I believe, uh, I think he can be a top, you know, five running back in fantasy football. And I I've been drafting him in the first round. I've been doing everything I can to get this man on my teams. And the only drawback that I've had was if they sign another running back like Devonta Freeman, like Lamar Miller, like LaShawn McCoy, like one of those guys, even though they're not going to take a lot of work because Miles Sanders is just clearly the better running back. I felt as though if, if they got one of those guys, it would damage Miles Sanders value. It would damage what he could do as a running back in fantasy football. And so I think obviously he wouldn't get the same opportunity. He would look like the same running back that he did kind of last year to 195 fantasy points, mid range RB two. If they brought in a running back and they decided to go RBBC, because that's what everyone's our post sided argument is on Miles Sanders. You know, if you're, if you're a devil's advocate player or you just don't like Miles Sanders, your argument is, well, they're an RBBC. And if there's no one there to take the second part of the RBBC, Boston Scott's not going to do it. Corey Clement's not going to do it. Miles Sanders is the guy in that offense. And they've said it a hundred times over. Doug Peterson has said it. Like I just talked about Deuce Daly. He said it like the team believes in Miles Sanders and they believe Miles Sanders can be a big time RB one in this league. They believe he can take the workload and, and be similar to a Christian McCaffrey type player. Um, so they obviously believe in him, but so this, this draws back to my concern on Miles Sanders though. They weren't going to sign a running back. So I started taking him in the first round. I was ready to go. That was my only concern. And I started throwing that concern away last week, a couple weeks ago, because at this point, Miles Sanders is not going to get any competition in that backfield. With this news of the injury, the only concern I have, because like I said, I'm not worried about him being hurt. I'm not worried about, 
him being week to week with an injury. This is probably just some kind of minor injury that they want to take it very, very, very carefully with so they can protect what they believe is their franchise running back or whatever you want to call. So they want to take it easy with Miles Sanders, you know, knowing that they don't want to throw him out there and have him get hurt again, right? So I, I think that obviously to me, if they believe he's going to be there week one and they're saying that it's not a serious injury, then there's no reason to believe that he can't be. Uh, other people in the in, there's uh, other people in the industry who would counter this point by saying that, you know, well, my, this is a concern and that Miles Sanders being injured could lead to more injuries in the season and all that. So I, I just think you can't sit here and play the injury game with every single player. If we did the same thing with Dalvin Cook last year, worrying about his injury concerns, just not drafting him, then you missed out on a top five running back. So that's why I'm like not super concerned about Miles Sanders and the injury because I'm going to draft a guy and I'm not going to let it like if injury has been something consistent over his career, then I'll be a little bit nervous. But if the guy is week to week with a lower body injury that they're saying is not serious, then I don't think we need to be concerned about the injury. Like I said, him being week to week might lead them to bring in a little bit more running depth, running back depth like Devonta Freeman or, you know, um, any of the other many running backs on the market. They might they might bring one of those running backs in and then say, okay, you know what? We're gonna give him 30% of the, the snaps. We're gonna give him 40% of the snaps. We're gonna turn this into an RBBC. That's what my concern is. So I think I think we need to watch the situation develop and unfold. If they don't bring in a running back, then that shows you that Miles Sanders is healthy, ready to go, and he's fine. And they're just being cautious. If they bring in a running back, that starts to spell a little bit of concern because they're they're now looking at it going, okay, Miles Sanders is hurt. There's there's different things going on. So how they react to this tells the story about how hurt Miles Sanders actually is. But the biggest situation for me is that everyone, like, like for me, my league drafts this weekend. For a lot of you, your draft, third week of August, fourth week of August, you guys draft probably, I would think that you're in a couple of leagues that draft this weekend. And if that's the case, you're not going to get any information. Hopefully we get some information in the next couple of days about Miles Sanders, but I don't think we're going to get a bunch of information in the next couple of days about Miles Sanders that is going to change the whole perspective in terms of, you know, where he's getting drafted. So for me, it's like you either take a risk and draft Miles Sanders first, early second round, or you say, you know what, I'm going to pass on him for now because I don't want to take that big of a risk in the first, maybe early second round if you're in the back of first rounds, right? So it's like, you know, it's it's up to you whether you want to take that risk. But the information that we're getting right now, I haven't heard anything about them looking at a running back or wanting to bring in a running back at this point. So I wouldn't be uber concerned about it. Um, but I would say, keep your eye on Twitter, keep your eye on, on, uh, Roto world and, and just keep your eye on the situation with Miles Sanders. Um, because if he, if they do bring somebody in, then I'm, I'm not, I'm waiting till the third round to probably draft Miles Sanders at that point. Um, uh, but right now I, I'm having a hard time. I'm fighting between, should I draft him in the first round? Should I let him go? You know, those have been kind of the, the thoughts in my mind, but anyway, those are my Miles Sanders thoughts. Um, I wanted to get you guys some information on that before, Obviously, your drafts this weekend, so take it with a grain of salt. I'm still probably going to draft him somewhere in the second round if I have if, if I have the opportunity. I haven't decided if I want to draft him in the first round yet, um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But let's move into late round targets. Before we do that, 
let's jump into our late round targets. So I think it, you know, late round targets are obviously interesting. And the way that a lot of we've talked about this, me and Rick have talked about this before, where, you know, mid round targets and late round targets, obviously uber important in drafts, but the way that draft strategies are, are falling this year and what a lot of people are doing are drafting one, two, maybe even three running backs in the first couple of rounds, which makes it very important in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round to draft a wide receiver. Um, but I think if you're if you're going the route of two running backs, three wide receivers, you know, by the time you hit this late round, which I'm, I'll preface this by saying late round is going to be round seven through nine. Um, but essentially, like when you talk about what a late round target is and you're you're going into uh, your drafts, it it essentially, you know, for me, it's like everyone's going with that same strategy. And you get finally to the seventh, eighth or ninth round. And it, that strategy at the beginning of the draft is going to affect how you take the late round approach, you know, because there's good wide receivers, there's good running backs. Um, so if you go heavy wide receiver early, this is going to be a spot where you have to probably go heavy on the running back position. And um, if you went heavy running backs three, you know, maybe the first five rounds, you took four running backs um, and you did something astronomically crazy like that. Uh, I would think that you would need to draft a lot of wide receivers consecutively after that. Or maybe you just went even two running back, two wide receivers, two running back, three wide receiver, three running back, two wide receiver, like whatever it is. It was a little more even. Usually when I get to these rounds, you know, after round five, when I know, you know, most teams have two quarter, uh, two wide receivers, two running backs and a flex spot. Usually when I get to this point in the middle to late rounds, I want to draft, um, I want to draft guys who are valuable and who, uh, you know, I would have a chance possibly not. I don't draft a trade, but that could break out and that I could trade for more valuable assets or, you know, you take a shot in the dark and hope this guy ends up having success. All of that stuff. The late rounds for us on this episode, obviously, I just said seven, eight and nine are going to be crucial rounds to build that bench depth, not only in a covid year where you know, there's a lot of uncertainty on whether or not a player might have COVID-19. Somebody, a, a, it's inevitable that a major fantasy football player is going to go down to the COVID list for three weeks. And you're going to need that running back depth or wide receiver depth or quarterback depth or whatever it is. You're going to need a depth on your bench in order to have success um, on your weeks when you, you're missing that star player. So I think these rounds become even more crucial. Um, but just in a general sense, in a normal year, these rounds are crucial just because you can get some potential breakouts um, that might have success for your team all season. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I was in a 10 team league and I drafted Joe Mixon in like the late sixth, early seventh round. Um, and, and it ended up working out for me like absolutely amazingly. Um, but, you know, obviously not every league is the same. Not every league is going to have something like that. Not every year is the same. So, you know, some of these guys might not even have breakout years, but and some of these guys are overvalued. Some of these guys are valued exactly where they're supposed to be. And some of these guys are, are I mean, not overvalued, undervalued. So we're going to go through round seven, eight, and nine and just give you some some uh, some guys that you can target in the late rounds um, and, and make sure you have on your team when you're drafting in these particular rounds. So let's start off with round seven. I'm going to try to keep this relatively brief because the wild, Miles Sanders news was long. Well, let's be honest. So in round seven, Ronald Jones, um, he has his ADP at 78 right now. 
Um, I actually have two guys this round and two guys in the ninth round, one guy in the eighth round. But so I would say for Ronald Jones, obviously, uh, we've we've kind of talked about him a little bit on this program. Um, I think for him, he's got he he has a like everyone has talked about his uh, like he's 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 either a hit or miss running back. And a lot of people look at him and it's like you, you get this feeling of like, Okay, the, the, you know, it's just a, it's just a, you know, he's one of those flash in the pan players. And every time he had a good game, you're like, ah, eh, you know, it's not that's not really that's not really a a really good game for him. You know what I mean? Or that he's not really good. He just had he just had a surprising week and you just you can't do that all season. Um, so Ronald Jones last year actually was relatively efficient when rushing the ball on the ground. Um, he had the ability to do a lot of good things. He ranked as far as efficiency metrics, he ranked pretty high uh, in the league in um, a lot of efficiency metrics. I just want to pull him up real fast on player profiler. So I don't completely blow it on the the numbers, but uh, he was number 18 in the league in breakaway runs. He had a 4.2 yards per carry rate. I think there's uh, the offensive line, not being that great. Um, you know, his juke rate was number 24 in the league. He's number 24 in evaded tackles. His breakout uh, run rate, uh, breakaway run rate percentage was 17. He also had a lot of plays, a lot of plays that were called back because I believe the Buccaneers were the most penalized team in the NFL last year. They had a lot of plays called back for Ronald Jones that were big runs um, that ended up being called back because of a holding call or whatever. Um, last year, he averaged seven defenders in the box, which was number five in all of uh, the NFL. He faced a 30% stacked front carry rate, which is number six in the league. Um, so I think when you're talking about some of these metrics, the average defenders in the box and the stacked front carry rate, is that's, big, that's a big kind of indicator as to why he only had like four yards of carry last year. Um and I think I think for me, when you talk about Brady coming in, they're bring, them bringing in Gronk. Gronk says I would say you know I, I'm I'm not really excited about him in terms of his production through the air this year. You know, and bring him on your fantasy team in that aspect. But I think in just football sense, it's a good thing for the Buccaneers because Gronk is one of the best blocking tight ends this game has ever seen. So it's like he comes in, he's basically an offensive lineman for, for uh, in all intents and purposes, the, the Buccaneers at this point. So, and they improved their offensive line a little bit. They brought in Gronk, which improves the blocking a little bit. So when, when, when Ronald Jones comes in to rush the football, he's going to have, a, a, uh, he's probably not going to face as many defenders in the box because the team is better. And he's probably going to be more efficient on the ground because of not facing more defenders in the box and because the blocking is better. So obviously those two things really are like a, a pinnacle point for me. The other thing is, is that he, he was actually a lot better. He was a lot better than people thought catching the football. Um, his catch rate was 75% last year, and he had a total of 31 receptions for 309 receiving yards, which is 10 yards per reception. Now, this is the category that a lot of people were like, oh, he's not really good at pass catching. He's just having a couple of good games, or the statistics really don't line up in that metric. He played in 16 games last year, and he had 10, he had 31 catches for 10 yards per reception. That's not a farce. That's not him just 
like randomly being good at receiving. That's a large sample size that shows you that he can actually catch the ball. Tom Brady loves to dump it down. I'm a Pats fan, watched him my whole life. You know, I hate to, to rag on that, but just watching a team every single Sunday, Brady loves to throw the football to the running back position. So I, I would think that the, the receiving opportunity is going to be there for Ronald Jones as well. Um, not only that, the team has come out in support of Ronald Jones being the featured back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, who I like, everyone likes. He has started camp on the, uh, I think at the beginning of the uh, beginning of August, he was put on the um, the COVID list. And so he, I think he, I, I believe he's been taken off. Don't quote me on that. But I think he's only been on the COVID list for three, I want to say three weeks or two weeks or something like that. So for him, it is concerning when you look at him that he's missing all of this valuable opportunity to get involved in the offense, which means it's going to take him a lot longer to uh, actually be able to, you know, learn the offense, get better at the offense and all of that stuff. So obviously that is concerning. Um, but with some other concerning aspects with Ronald Jones, I think Keyshawn Vaughn will get opportunity this year. I just don't think that there's, you know, when you're talking about the Buccaneers, there's not a lot of like you have Dara Goombawale, who everyone's saying he's going to be the next James White. I don't really buy into that. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, who's missed time. I be, I don't, yeah, I believe that's the only two or three running backs. They've also brought in LaShawn McCoy, who I always forget about, um, who they the team has stated that is going to come in. He's going to obviously get opportunities, but he's going to be more of a, um, a, a kind of, I guess, a, a mentor to the running backs there. So uh, essentially what Bruce Arian said is it's Ronald Jones's backfield and everyone is fighting for a role behind him. I mean, they're going to give him the opportunity. Last year, he had 172 carries through 16 games. Um, I could see that balloon to, I could see that balloon to 200 carries. I think he gets 40 something receptions this year because they want to get him more involved in the passing game. And that's just how Tom Brady is. The only, the only real like big concern that I have with Ronald Jones is that his run blocking efficiency is sits at 62.7 poor uh, points or percents um, percents. I am just making words up today, uh, but he is not, he was 48 in the league in run blocking efficiency last year. And I think when it comes to blocking, that's his biggest problem, not just run blocking, but pass blocking. And uh, that's what, that's what makes running backs money in the NFL is, is being able to, you know, pass block. And if you can't pass block and Tom Brady's getting pancaked into the ground, you can very well be sure that you're not going to be starting very long. So that is something that is a concern, but overall, I think there's good things to, to look at for Ronald Jones He's going to be the he's going to be the running back. I see 250 to 260 touches um, based on his efficiency. He's not going to be like this hugely, you know, breakout running back that's going to get a massive amount of uh, opportunity. But I think if they do give him a majority of the snap share and the opportunity share, he's going to be a very good running back. And to get that kind of running back sitting here in the seventh round, that's fantastic because, you you know, drafting him, you don't have to start him. Week one, you really don't have to start him week one um, because you already drafted your starts first six rounds. You've got your guys. So the, 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 unless you drafted a tight end and a quarterback in your top six picks, you really aren't probably going to have to start Ronald Jones um, 
in week one, which is good news for you because you can hold him on your bench. And if he starts like breaking out and having some really good games, you know, you can either sell high or, you know, hold on to him through the rest of the season. So I think the value is there for Ronald Jones. I think he's a good, a really good, I guess, floor play almost. Um, I don't think he has a ceiling of top five. I really don't. Um, but we'll see what Tom Brady can make Ronald Jones into. I've been waiting for Ronald Jones to get this workload. I really do think he's a decent running back. And um, I think giving him the opportunity would give him success. Um, I'm going to try to move quickly through the next couple guys because I rambled on about Ronald Jones for 20 minutes. Tyler Boyd is the other guy in the seventh round. I'll just say um, he was like third or fourth in targets last year um, with 150 plus targets, which is crazy. Now, obviously, he's not going to get that with A.J. Green there, but uh, there has been reports floating around that T. Higgins um, is not progressing the way they want him to. I don't think he's going to get much of an opportunity in the offense this year. Um, so Tyler Boyd's going to be the number two guy behind AJ green and AJ green pulled his hamstring or something wrong with his hamstring the other day. So that's not a good sign for AJ green to start. I think Tyler Boyd's going to ultimately end up as, and John Ross, I believe uh, his half his family got COVID and he left camp. So right now it's, it's Tyler Boyd and Aaron AJ green and Tyler Boyd's going to get the work in that offense, like 100% get the work in that offense. He's going to be, at 130, 140 targets. And, and the funny part about it is that, uh, you know, the more I looked at um, Tyler Boyd, the more you realize, like, the biggest thing about Tyler Boyd is that when he has another receiver, because he's a slot receiver, and when he has a receiver on the outside, like A.J. Green or T. Higgins or somebody like that, I don't think, Higgins, like I said, don't think Higgins is going to get a lot of playing uh, or opportunities this year. But, you know, if you have a receiver like A.J. Green on the outside, it helps you know, pull some guys away from the middle of the field and, and get Tyler Boyd, the ball, uh, Joe Burrow is coming from a team where he targeted, I believe it was, I don't want to, I don't want to quote a percentage, but he, he targeted the, the, the slot receiver position, i.e. Justin Jefferson, a high percentage. Uh, Tyler Boyd has, has very good talented abilities to be able to, you know, catch the ball, make stuff happen, you know, with those catches and and have success in fantasy football. So I think I think for Tyler Boyd, you know, if he does get 140 targets, I mean, you're drafting a massive load of target share in the seventh round. I mean, that's at an, an absolute steal. And if this guy ends up like people have forgotten about him because he really didn't have a great year last year with the opportunities that he had. But if he does break onto the scene and have a have a really good year, I think, you know, top 15 is within the realm of possibility. He's going to be a fantastic wide receiver, too, for you. So in the in the seventh round, that's a lock. Um, let's move on to the eighth round. J.K. Dobbins at pick 86. Now, this is a guy you could get middle of the middle of the eighth round. Um you know, late eighth round, really. So anywhere in the eighth round, if you're drafting, uh, unless you're, you know, either <laughs> pick 11 or 12, you could probably get JK Dobbins, uh, in this round. Um, I just also want to note that this ADP is from four for uh, not sponsored, but just wanted to throw it out there that those guys, um, provided some of the ADP analytics. Um, you can just go to their website and I, I believe it's under tools or whatever. You can find it there. But anyway, JK Dobbins, is one of my favorite eighth round targets at this point. I think you also see Julian Edelman in this round, which is not at this point. He's fought with the way he's falling. I, I don't think Julian Edelman's a bad play at all, but as far as Dobbins is concerned, there was a big trade that went down today. Um, and a defensive lineman from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to attempt to say his name. You can go look it up. Um, was traded to the Baltimore Ravens 
for, I believe it's a third round pick in Gus Edwards. I don't know if those details are official. I saw those from a report before I started on the podcast, but I don't know if those details are official. So if they're not, you know, I'm sorry, but Gus Edwards is likely to go in the trade to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this means bad things for Leonard Fournette, which we'll, we'll dissect and talk more about on Tuesday um, when Rick is back on the podcast and all that stuff. Um, but as far as what it means for J.K. Dobbins, he's the number two guy. I mean, it's official. Like, I was a little bit worried about Gus Edwards because he was efficient on the ground. I think he had five yards per carry last year when he was given the opportunity. And I believe he had 130 plus carries and he, he you know made 800. I believe it was 883 rushing yards out of it or something like that. So he got over 800 rushing yards on 133 carries for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, those stats might be a little off, but I apologize if that's the case. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is now coming in, and I was a little bit concerned that Gus Edwards was going to siphon some of the work from J.K. Dobbins as the second running back, and he'd only get like 100 carries, and you maybe maybe 20 targets and 15, 12, 13 receptions, and, and just not get enough opportunity to make your eighth round pick a complete waste. Now, at this point, you're taking flyers, right? You're in the ninth, 8th, ninth, 10th round, even, you know, I don't think Dobbins is going in the 7th or 8th. You're not going to get him in the ninth or 10th round. But, you know, at this point, you're taking a flyer. And, and you know, you're not going to, like, your 8th round pick is most likely not even going to be on your team by the midway point of the season unless they break out. So it's like taking J.K. Dobbins is, is a fantastic flyer pick. Now, with the loss of Gus Edwards, this opens up the opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to be officially the number two running back on that roster. He's going to get over 130 care. I actually think with the amount, like this is the thing is they run it like 500 times, you know, and if you give hundred carries to, you know, Lamar Jackson this year, like he uh, similar to what he had last year, you give him hundred carries. He's going to be in that kind of conversation where he's going to be in that kind of conversation where, uh, he could definitely, you know, like uh, take Lamar's hundred target, uh, rushes out. And you could see a situation where the Ravens have 400, uh, rushing attempts as a team left. And it's like, it, you know, last year, I think, I think uh, um, Mark Ingram had about 200 and two or between 200 and 210 rushes. So if you give him that many, 200, around 200 rushes, that still leaves an ample amount of rushing opportunity for JK Dobbins. Like he could easily get 170 total rushes. And if he actually is efficient, now he's not the best pass catcher. He's just mediocre. But if he does get passing work in that offense, I mean, they targeted the running back position, I think only over 45 times, like as, as a team, like it wasn't a lot. So, you know, obviously you're going to see, you know, 20 to 30 targets go Mark Ingram's way. I think you could see Dobbins get a similar kind of total. He might catch 20 passes, but you're seeing a guy that could very well get 190 opportunities this year. And if his efficiency is on par with what we think Baltimore can do, um, I think Dobbins is a fantastic pick. Like I'll tell you right now, Dobbins is probably one of my favorite late round targets at this point because he can get that opportunity. I was thinking about earlier this week, not the, 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 the 2017 running back draft class was absolutely insane. You had guys like Kareem hunt year, These are year one breakouts. Kareem hunt, Alvin Kamara, like Christian McCaffrey, I think he ended up as a as a mid-range RB2 or, you know, low-end RB1. I don't know. But you had those guys come out and have decent seasons. Leonard Fournette was in that draft, right? 
it's like there was like five or six running backs that had really great success coming from that draft. Aaron Jones too was in that draft. It took him a little longer, but Aaron Jones was in that draft. So it was like, I look at this class of running backs and I think there is an opportunity for these guys to have a similar sense. Like I, I could see success for Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire all this year. I don't think they're all going to finish top 15. You know, you shoot your shot, take guys that you think you believe in and, and want to have success. But I, I, I really do think that this class could be similar to that one. Um, in a lot of ways, it's just a very good running back class. Now Dobbins obviously is, he was one of the favorite running backs coming out. Um, I've talked about how much I like him before, but I think the efficiency, like I said, the 190, you know, attempts, but not 190 rushing attempts, but 190 total touches would, I think it would get him to the point where, where he could have, you know, maybe a low end RB two, high end RB three kind of season with upside you know, with, with high upside, um, especially if they choose to start fading Mark Ingram out of the offense entirely. Um, there was a report last week that JK Dobbins said straight up that he wants to take the starting role. And, um, I don't, I haven't seen much out of camp in terms of what they've been doing, you know, what, what, uh, team he's been running on. But I think, you know, Dobbins obviously at pick 86, I think is a perfect pick for your team. It's a great flyer pick. And I think, Instead of drafting, you know, Cam Akers in the sixth round and DeAndre Swift in the sixth round, and you know what I mean? I'm, I like Jonathan Taylor, but drafting Jonathan Taylor in the third round, instead of doing that with those guys, drafting J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to have ample amount of opportunity in this offense and probably be in a similar situation, um, at pick 86 uh, is, is just, I think it's a way better value than drafting those other guys. Um, let's move on to the ninth round. I'm going to talk about one guy in particular and then throw in another right at the end for a little extra, you know, a little extra love. So I'll start with Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk and Tyler Boyd were two of my favorite players to target in drafts last year, uh, whether it was dynasty startups or um, redraft leagues. And I, a lot of my leagues, I had Tyler Boyd and Christian Kirk. And obviously Tyler Boyd wasn't as efficient as you would want him to be, but he did have opportunity to have, you know, he did have opportunity to to do really good things. I think it was just his offense was so friggin' bad that um, it, it affected him at you know as a whole. Um, Christian Kirk, on the other hand, is is a little bit different of a scenario. I believe he had. I'm gonna pull up his player profile um, on Player Profiler because I want to see what Christian Kirk got in in terms of target share. I believe it was 130 targets, but I want to confirm it. He had 108 targets. I'm sorry. 108 targets in 13 games. So if you pace that out to a whole season, eight targets a game, um, rough math would put him in 130 targets paced out to a whole season. So yeah, I wasn't far off on the, the I sometimes I get my pacing and my regular season analytics mixed up. And it's ridiculous. But anyway, so we had 108 targets last year. He had a, uh, a, a just, I'll give you the, the regular catch rate right now. 63%. Not great. It was number 55 in the whole uh, league among wide receivers. Um, but he had, uh, I believe, he had 68 catches on 108 targets last year, um, three total touchdowns, uh, 709 receiving yards. So he wasn't the best wide receiver. The reason why I like him is because I think last year you had a new coach in Cliff Kingsbury. Usually it takes a full season for a new offense to kind of implement itself um, and become successful. 
Not only that, but you also had a rookie quarterback in Kyler Murray, who was also a part of implementing this new system, this new like quarterback system. I mean, uh, this new offensive system in, in Arizona. So I think those two things had a big effect on Christian Kirk and the lack of efficiency scoring touchdowns is due to the fact that the offense took a little while to figure it out. Like, I don't think Christian Kirk threw multiple touchdown games uh, until week. He had one total multiple touchdown game. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong statistics. He had like, I think, two or three multiple touchdown games over the first 10 games of the season, Kyler Murray. And so he did not have really great success. A lot of games, he just didn't score a touchdown in terms of like a passing touchdown. So obviously that affects Christian Kirk. I think with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and and I think Larry Fitzgerald moving back a little bit in, in terms of how much they're going to use him, Christian Kirk is, is, is staying in the slot. He's going to be their slot receiver. He's going to get 130 targets this year. And I, or, uh, I would say regress him a little bit because of the DeAndre Hopkins move. I think 115 to 120 is probably a safer bet. But... I think with DeAndre Hopkins there, that's going to pull a lot of the pressure off of Christian Kirk. It's going to open things up in the middle of the field for him to be able to have success in in the slot. And I think with an improved Kyler Murray, it's going to mean good things for the Arizona Cardinals. I think it's going to mean good things for Christian Kirk. Now, last year, his catchable target rate was 73%, uh, which is number 77 in the league. 79 of his 108 targets were catchable, which is not great. Um, he had a true catch rate of 86%, which is really good, and 10 yards per reception. In the previous year, when we saw him with uh, Josh Rosen, he had 13 yards per reception. So he was he decreased significantly in yards per reception last year, um, and I believe he had uh, he only had 68 targets in the previous season. So for me, when you look at him, I think getting up to 12 yards per reception is going to be important for him to have success. I think those three touchdowns are going to balloon to like seven um, this year. And I think that if he does get up to a 12 yards per catch and, you know, 70 catches, uh, somewhere in that vicinity, he's going to be somewhere around. Um, I just want to do the math real fit, uh, fast. He's going to be somewhere around, uh, 800 to a thousand receiving yards total on the year. Um, and with seven or eight touchdowns, I think, I think he's going to have a decent season. I think 170, 180 in terms of fantasy points is very well within the realm of opportunities. Um, in, in 2018, the year before, he had 1.8 fantasy points uh, per target. That Last year, he had 1.5. So I think the uh, second year in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, second year Kyler Murray, an improved offensive line, an improved running back situation, I, I really do think that Christian Kirk is going to benefit from that. So I would target him late in the draft. Pick 108 is where he's been going. So end of the ninth round. So I definitely target him at that point. Um, the only other guy that I would list as a special addition is Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson last year, he led his team in targets. He led his team in catches. He led his team in yards per reception. I believe he might have even led them in touchdowns. He led the Steelers in every single category uh, at the receiver position. And, uh, and you would think that that would be Juju, but it wasn't. And the, the interesting part about that was that he did it all with a terrible quarterback situation in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And so I, when I look at Deontay Johnson, I see a, a similar like kind of player 
to Antonio Brown. He's an outside receiver that they that the Pittsburgh Steelers desperately want. If you look at if you go to the fantasy footballers draft guide and um, and check out uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception, uh, he is one of the best, one of the better route runners in the NFL. He he did not have a hard time running routes and getting separation. He had success against man zone and all of it. He was very good last year with a terrible quarterback. And I like him at his value. Like Juju right now is going in the fourth round. If you're talking about ninth, 10th round for Deontay Johnson, that is like absolute highway robbery. Um, I think he can produce the same, if not like they don't have anybody else. That's the other thing. Like we have not seen the Pittsburgh Steelers throw 575 passes without Antonio Brown on the team. Like, yeah, Juju might get 160 targets, but there's still a lot of target share to go around and they don't spread it out among their backup run. You know, the, their, their third, fourth, fifth wide receiver. They always give a lot of it like 300 to, th- you know, 320 always go to the first two wide receivers. You know what I mean? We saw it in two seasons or so of success. You know what I mean? And it's like, so they love to target Antonio Brown that one season. They love to target Juju. I think Deontay Johnson could very well hit 120 to 130 targets this year. And, uh, and Juju be somewhere around 140 to 160. So it's like, but if Deontay Johnson hits that total of 160 targets next year, I mean, he, he, he has everything like lined up for him, you know, and I, I will pull up some of his metrics from last year, just so you can see what kind of situation uh, Deontay Johnson would have if, if he were to get that target share. Now he had 120 targets last year at 59 receptions. His catchable target rate was 72%, number 81 in the NFL. He only had 67 targets that were catchable. His true catch rate, 88%, number 16 in the NFL. He had a target quality rating of 4.8%. Like horrible, 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 horrible. He had 11 yards per reception. So, I mean, if you talk about him being somewhere in the ballpark of a 70 to 80% catch rate on 120 targets, you know what I mean? Um, he's going to have an opportunity to, uh, he's going to have an opportunity to do some damage in this offense, you know, and that is about 84 catches on the season. If he gets a 70% catch rate, you take 84 and you multiply that by 12. He's at a thousand yards receiving already. You give him seven, eight total touchdowns, and he's at 160 fantasy points, not including, uh, he's at like around 160 fantasy points, not including his receptions. So it's like he could be somewhere between 190 to 200 fantasy points this year. And then if he becomes ridiculous, like Antonio Brown was, and breaks out straight up, straight up, straight up breaks out next year, or this year, I should say, then you could see Deontay Johnson being a new, you know, top six, top seven wide receiver and be a breakout guy. But like I said, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think a safe estimation is 170 to 180 fantasy points for him. I think that if you put him in that ballpark, he is a low end wide receiver too. And in the seventh or eighth round, that's a great value. Like you can't, you can't go wrong getting Deontay Johnson at, I think it's pick one Oh three in your drafts. So I think, I think what you're getting right now from these, I think I listed five guys. From these five players, what you're getting is is kind of a, a little bit like Dobbins, a little bit of a breakout pick. Uh, Tyler Boyd had 150 targets, so you're getting a floor there of some decent amount of opportunity. Uh, Ronald Jones, I think, is just primed for uh, success in that Bruce Arians offense. Obviously, Christian Kirk and then Deontay Johnson, but 
These guys are going to be guys that are going to help you in the late rounds of your league. Like you're, you're drafting this weekend. You're drafting next weekend, right? I'm drafting freaking tomorrow. And like these guys are going to be guys that I target in the later rounds because I believe in them. I believe that they're great bench pieces, their depth plays, and they have a chance to break out. You know, um, I'm not predicting a breakout for any one of them, but I think that there is there is baked in success. You know, like like I said, Deontay Johnson, mid-range wide receiver two, Christian Kirk, mid-range wide receiver two, Tyler Boyd, mid to high end wide receiver two, Ronald Jones, mid to high end running back two, and J.K. Dobbins, low end RB two with a chance to do like, I mean, so many people owned David Montgomery all year last year, even though his efficiency was just not there and he did not have success in any way, shape or form last year, but they, they decided they were, they were going to continue feeding him the ball. So it's like, when you look at all these guys to conclude, I think there are guys that you need to target in the later rounds. That'll do it. Had to find the button again. That'll do it. For these late round targets, be sure to cop the draft guide. Run out, buy the draft guide. You have short amount of time to do a draft. Please buy the draft guide. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our website, thefantasychampions.com. Be sure to subscribe. Talk to you Tuesday, fantasy champs. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs. <laughs>